This week's episode is made possible by our friends at Independent Bank. You can learn more about them at i-bankonline.com. Good morning, Memphis. You are listening to Meanwhile in Memphis on WYXR Radio 91.7 FM. Meanwhile in Memphis is a program dedicated to conversations that celebrate the organizations, initiatives, and people that are shaping Memphis for the better. Meanwhile in Memphis is brought to you by New Memphis, a nonprofit organization whose mission is to develop, activate, and retain the city's most important resource, its people. Your hosts today are me, Anna Thompson, and my colleague, Rebecca Daly. We have a few upcoming events that we are super excited to share with you. Join us on June 29th for a virtual workshop that is part of the Summer Experience free series of events for college students and interns. This virtual workshop, Negotiation 101, will offer participants a chance to learn how to navigate their very first job offer, so you do not want to miss this one. Again, this will be Thursday, June 29th at noon, so it is perfect for a quick lunch and learn over Zoom. Also coming up, if you are ready to level up with your leadership skills, the New Memphis Leadership Summit is kicking off on August 11th. Early bird tickets are currently on sale, and the early bird rates end on July 14th. So be sure to get your tickets purchased now. You can join us as a group or as an individual, but it's always more fun with friends. Uh, You can head over to newmemphis.org slash events to learn more about these events and to purchase your tickets. The New Memphis Leadership Summit is made possible thanks to Kroger, Pinnacle Financial Partners, Vaco, Varsity Spirit, Malazri Engineering, and Bar Brands. Today's episode is one that Rebecca and I are so excited to share with you. Um, New Memphis is all about making connections and providing resources for the community, and the two organizations that we are hosting today do exactly that. So we will be having Tiffany Graham from the National Civil Rights Museum and Kevin Woods from Blue Cross Blue Shield of Tennessee joining us in studio today to chat about all the exciting renovations going on at the National Civil Rights Museum. So excited to bring Tiffany on uh, and to bring Kevin to the table to talk to us about the new project coming up, the Blue Cross Healthy Place at Founders Park, which we'll dig into the details for in our conversation today. But before we kick it off, just wanted to give you a quick overview of who our guests are. Tiffany Graham has more than 25 years of experience in both the for-profit and nonprofit sectors sectors and currently serves as the Chief Marketing and Development Officer for the National Civil Rights Museum. Also joining us is Kevin Woods, who is the Memphis Market President at Blue Cross Blue Shield of Tennessee. Kevin also serves as a new Memphis trustee and is a graduate of the LDI and Fellows programs. Without further ado, join us in welcoming Tiffany and Kevin. Welcome Tiffany and Kevin. How are y'all this morning? Great. Doing great. well. Thanks Glad for to be us. here. Yeah. Thank, you. Thank, Thank you. you all for making time in your very, very busy schedules to join us. Um, just to get started, Tiffany, can you share a little bit about yourself and your journey that led you to your current role at the National Civil Rights Museum? Sure, sure. Well, it's been a long journey. I'm originally from Los Angeles, California, um, and have lived all over the country, but most recently moved to Memphis uh, seven years ago. Married a native Memphian almost 20 years ago. And so um, we knew our roads would lead to Memphis at some point. And so um, I have spent a lifetime at this point in uh, for-profit, non-profit, but most recently joined the National Civil Rights Museum last April from Alsac St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. And so 
Um, it's been a pleasure to be a part of the National Civil Rights Museum and leading our fundraising and marketing efforts. So uh, excited to, this is a really exciting time, I think, to be at the National Civil Rights Museum, which we'll talk about today. Yeah. And Tiffany, could you uh, give us a little bit of an overview of the National Civil Rights Museum and your mission? Yeah, so the National Civil Rights Museum was founded in 1991. And as many people know, we um, sit at the historic site where Dr. King was assassinated on April 4th, 1968. Um, thanks to several business leaders in town in the late 80s, uh, they gathered together and uh, fundraised in order to save what was the Lorraine Motel, which had fallen into disarray after Dr. King's assassination. And so in 1991, we opened in what is now known as the National Civil Rights Museum, which sits at the original footprint within the original footprint of the Lorraine Motel. And um, today our mission is to carry on the legacy of Dr. King and his nonviolent principles for positive social change and educate people on the American civil rights movement, as well as inspire people for they themselves to become catalysts for positive social change. You have tremendous exhibits there that do just that and put the participant in in the shoes of activation. So it's really exciting. Um, Kevin, can you share a little bit about your role at Blue Cross Blue Shield of Tennessee? Well, first of all, thank you again for uh, this opportunity to be here and and talk about uh, our investments in healthy places across the state of Tennessee. Uh, and then to really just to be here with Tiffany and uh, talk about the great work that her and her leadership team are doing at our National Civil Rights Museum. So that's I'm really excited about that. So uh, as a uh, uh, an alum of New Memphis uh, and as a an individual that's truly bullish on the city, uh, I too, like Tiffany, was fortunate enough to marry a Memphian and uh, to keep me here. But I, I'm from West Tennessee. I grew up in a, a small town, uh, Hardeman County, Bolivar, Tennessee. Uh, came to the University of Memphis uh, and uh, met my wife in graduate school. Uh, since then, I obviously have have uh, grown both personally and professionally here. And um, I had a chance to uh, join Blue Cross Blue Shield of Tennessee about five years ago uh, as their uh, market president. And uh, with the goal of simply uh, uh, advancing uh, the mission uh, of of our company in our West Tennessee area, in which is to to grow and retain uh, our market share, but more importantly, to really uh, uh, advocate for uh, community investments and, and being a part of, of what's great about Memphis. And so uh, being able to serve on uh, the new Memphis board really aligns to the work that we're doing at Blue Cross, which has really been a champion of community, a champion of change, and really being able to uh, to make a difference in the communities where our members, um, uh, for where the members we serve. Awesome. Thank you so much for the work that you do and the work of Blue Cross Blue Shield of Tennessee. Um, I wanted to get back, Tiffany, to what your opinion is about what makes the National Civil Rights Museum unique from other museums in the city of Memphis or unique from other civil rights museums that might exist in the United States. Well, one thing I can say is that the National Civil Rights Museum is the oldest civil rights museum in the country. And also what makes us unique is that we do sit at this historic site uh, of Dr. King's assassination. And so those those are primarily the, the two most unique factors about the National Civil Rights Museum. But I think um, for those that have come to visit, 
you know that it's a really, really special place. Um, we tell a very comprehensive, in-depth, quality, um, unbiased story about the history of not only the American Civil Rights Movement, but really going back to enslaved people to America all the way through to 1968. And so um, for myself, having been to many museums across the country, um, I can just say that, you know, while we absolutely partner with so many around the country, of course, I'm biased. <laughs> I think the National Civil Rights Museum, you know, is is a, a level above in terms of um, the content, the richness of the content and the way that we tell that story. And um, and so we at this point host over 450,000 people that come to our campus every year. Uh, over 40,000 of those people come from around the world outside of the United States. And so it is clearly, you know, has become this beacon for civil rights education and uh, for folks to learn about the civil rights movement. And so um, and so I would say, you know, that's what really makes us special. And we'll talk about our, our next chapter, I think, in a few minutes uh, with the renovation, which is really going to take us, uh, I think, to a whole nother level. Yeah, we can jump right into that, actually, because um, I know that as a patron and as a participant and as a Memphian, it's been really exciting to see the changes over the years and how committed to excellence the National Civil Rights Museum is. It's not it wasn't a one and done thing in 1991. It's continued to evolve, expand, renovate and add things that continue to add value both to Memphians, um, Americans and like you said, worldwide. So I'm really excited to talk about the upcoming renovations that were just kind of groundbroken. Is that the past tense? Groundbreaking? <laughs> that, that you just broke ground on. Um, can you share about those exciting renovations going on? Yes. So we are excited. Um, so about a little over 20 years ago, um, we purchased uh, through the generosity of, of a donor the boarding house, which is right across the way from the Lorraine Motel. This is where Dr. King's um, alleged assassin uh, was laying in wait. And so um, about 10 years ago or so, um, we uh, renovated that space. But it was really, um, uh, you know, I would say sort of a, um, a, a renovation that did not necessarily uh go to the level that the Lorraine side, the Lorraine Motel side exhibits, core exhibits were. Um, but we've housed in that boarding house over the years um, lots of uh, traveling exhibits that yes. have come there, you know, all down through the years. And so we've really used that space for uh, traveling exhibits, for events and other purposes. Um, and then, of course, adjacent to that boarding house is a large green space area, which is our Founders Park and so with this new renovation, um, it will give us an opportunity and certainly thanks to the generosity of Blue Cross Blue Shield um, to renovate Founders Park to really make it a gathering space, a, a contemplative sort of reflective space for all of the folks that come to visit every year. And then the legacy building itself, which has three floors, uh, will be renovated every Every floor of that legacy building uh, will be renovated to really answer the question of, well, what happened after 1968? What has happened in the 55 years since Dr. King was assassinated? And as we know, the work of Dr. King, the, Dr. King's legacy has inspired movements all over the country and all over the world. And so we want to continue to tell that story and to tell it in a way that 
is contemporary, that really engages the next generation, you know, generations of people that uh, were not around during 1968, during the civil rights movement. Maybe their parents weren't even around during that time. And so what we're really excited about with the legacy building is um, there, there will be some really cool, cool features in that building. One is a Freedom Award Lounge. So as many people know, since 1991, we have hosted uh, the Freedom Award, which is our annual signature event to honor human and civil rights icons uh, internationally uh, who have made significant contributions to the movement. And so all the way back to 1991, our first couple of Freedom Award recipients were Coretta Scott King and Rosa Parks. And um, down through the years, we've had Bono and the Dalai Lama and Nelson Mandela. And even in 2021, we had Michelle Obama and casual, just some, you John know, just, yeah, just, just, a, some, few, few just people, a few people yeah, making a, impact a in the world. People. But the really special thing about our Freedom Award recipients is that we actually have the recordings of their acceptance speeches all 30, you know, 32 years of it. Wow. And so um, in this new building, we will have a Freedom Award lounge with the, with a large digital wall where visitors will be able to click on a photo and hear an excerpt of the speech from that particular recipient. We will also have a major exhibit uh, covering the Poor People's Campaign, which is really what Dr. King was focused on in his final days, thinking about economic empowerment and really what brought him to Memphis and um, helping to support the sanitation workers who were striking for fair wages and medical insurance and uh, and the like. And so uh, we will be covering the Poor People's Campaign. We're going to de- dive even a little bit deeper into MLK's assassination with some uh, new documentation, primary sources that we've received around the investigation that was done post Dr. King's assassination. Uh, Many of this, much of this has not been seen publicly. And so we have those source documents and we'll be leaning into that. And then most importantly, we, um, We have really six strategic pillars in that legacy building around um, criminal justice, poverty, housing, gender equity, labor, jobs and education. And so we'll be doing a deep dive in these areas to talk about the progress that's been made in 55 years, but also the work that still is left to be done. So we'll be telling those stories of the uh, those modern civil rights uh, move maker, movement makers, if you will, but also hopefully engaging people as we think about today and how can you be a catalyst today in your own circle of influence for the work that still is left to be be done. And so, so we're really excited about this new space, this new building. We think that it will uh, drive um, even more attendance to the National Civil Rights Museum. Hopefully uh, new folks that have not been and even those that have come before will come back to see this new space. And um, And so we're, we're grateful to Blue Cross Blue Shield because in addition to the Founders Park, we will also be building out a what we're calling the Legacy Terrace, which is also a second space um, which is going to have, you know, an amazing meditation maze and um, and another gathering kind of contemplative space for folks as they come through the exhibit and then want to uh, really kind of debrief, reflect, discuss, et cetera. And so um, so we're really, really grateful for our partnership with Blue Cross Blue Shield, because I think it's a perfect 
um, a partnership and balance between the content that people will see in the exhibition, but also um, the experience that they will have on our campus. So uh, many thanks to to Kevin Woods and the team there. We could not be more excited, Tiffany. Um, just want to just add to that. Um, so glad again to be here with you because you, you add so much color and content to 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 the why, uh, the the reason that uh, it was fitting for our foundation and trust uh, to really get behind uh, this work. While while we've built uh, twenty two uh, parks across the state of Tennessee uh, through our Healthy Place Investments, uh, this one here is special. Uh, it's it's unique and different uh, from uh, any other uh, park investments uh, that we made. Many uh, of our listeners uh, and viewers may not be aware, but but our first uh, Blue Cross Healthy Place was right here in Memphis uh, a few years ago at David Carnes Park in Whitehaven, where we invested over $5 million to really reimagine uh, the public space there uh, in Whitehaven. But it was community-driven. It was uh, that community, uh, churches, schools, neighbors, uh, telling the city of Memphis and uh, Mayor Strickland uh, what they wanted to see in a park. Uh, and then for us to be able to put resources uh, behind that to, to make it a reality and still seeing that park, park be a vibrant part, part of that community. Um, but we knew, we always knew that our uh, investments were about bringing communities together uh, and then uh, to, to reimagine uh, Founders Park and have that space uh, be uh, reimagined not by us, but, but by the leadership uh, at the National Civil Rights Museum. And they applied just like uh, any other applicant uh, to... Uh, to ask for our support, uh, and then to 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 hear Tiffany explain and share what what will be uh, in the coming uh, years there is remarkable, uh, and for us to simply be able to be a part of that is exactly what we want to do. Um, uh, not just for the National Civil Rights Museum, but but parks across the state, and but but again, uh, I can't I can't uh, express enough how special this is going to be. Very biased because it is Memphis. Uh, and then when you're walking down Main Street and you look over there and, and knowing that uh, what uh, the National Civil Rights Museum not only means to Memphis, but across the nation, if not internationally, uh, what it means to uh, to us all. But knowing that we could be a small part of, of that, of, of what reflection looks like, what coming together looks like um, is, is, is going to be very special for the community. Absolutely. Um, so if my research serves me correctly, um, the. Blue Cross Healthy Place at Founders Park will be visitor-friendly, um, have seating areas, space for performance and screen projection, as you mentioned earlier, Tiffany, um, water features, artwork installations, and other enhancements. Um, I'm curious, this can be a question for either of you, but why it makes sense to create a healthy place that also includes the space for reflection and education, not Tiffany, just physical play. Tiffany, you want to go first? Well, well, you know, we, we've talked a lot about all of the international visitors that come. But in addition to that, you know, we're we're a part of the community. We're here in Memphis. And so it is important that when folks step foot on our campus, that they have um, that that the campus is also reflective of um, this gathering space that we're, you know, integral really to the community. And so. Um, so that's what we're excited about. You know, I think sometimes when um, one of the good things that about the experience at the National Civil Rights Museum is, you know, that we hear all the time is that, you know, folks will say it's it can be sometimes an emotional roller coaster. 
right? You're you're angry, you're sad, you're you're happy, you're you know inspired, you're hopeful, joyful, you're yeah. hopeful. You go through a whole range of emotions going through those exhibits, and so to have a space where folks can come out of that exhibit and just sit and reflect and gather with their their families or and and of course we also have lots of school groups that come through every year so a space for the children to be able to gather with their instructors or with our instructors um, is I think really important and it, and it really completes the experience if you will um, and then to what you were saying earlier Anna even for folks that may not come through the museum you know we get quite a few folks that come throughout the year, either on a day that we're closed or after hours, and they just want to be at the place, at the site, you know, where Dr. King was assassinated and pay homage to Dr. King. And so to even have this space available, even after hours, right, for folks to be able to come and to just um, sit and and reflect, I think um, really, really is important. And I think people will really enjoy it. Um, and then lastly, as you were mentioning earlier, we do uh, do lots of events throughout the year. And so in addition to what we may do indoors, we really are excited about leveraging this space outdoors. And, um, you know, and so, of course, we do lots of events throughout the year, whether that's King Day. In fact, this past January, we had over 11,000 people on our campus. 11,000. Wow. Yes. I knew it was a lot. I hadn't heard the yeah, number, but it Wow. <laughs> It was a lot. And, um, and the team does such a great job of, um, you know, managing the logistics. So it didn't feel that it was like it was 11,000, but it was 11,000. Um, and then we also do an outdoor Ruby Bridges reading festival, which is a literacy festival. And in the past, we've done summer concerts and all kinds of things. And so we're really looking forward, you know, post renovation to be able to leverage that space in a maximum way for the community to gather, um, uh, not just to go through the exhibit but even just as a, you know, a communal space where we can uh, come together and have a little fun too. Yeah, I, I just want to add to that, Tiffany. You know, when we first started investing uh, uh, in uh, healthy places across the state, uh, we always uh, wanted to expand what the definition of healthy places could be. Uh, while we were thrilled when we announced our first park uh, in Whitehaven and then most recently uh, the one at Foot Parks, which is... Uh, which a number of uh, new Memphis alums uh, helped lead the charge to reimagine uh, the the Foot Homes community, and for us to be able to place uh, a new healthy place uh, less than a mile from from our our downtown office uh, for young people to be able to come out and play and and uh, and come together and enjoy that space. Uh, we knew that uh, we wanted to expand the definition, and and while we love our blue parks, uh, we were looking for applications that. That uh, that pulled at the heartstrings, but that still stuck with our mission of communities coming together in a meaningful way. Uh, and uh, the National Civil Rights Museum gave us that opportunity. And so, uh, when we think about this space and still been able to uh, to share the name of, of healthy places, uh, it it redefines what's possible. Uh, and uh, and what is which is why we are excited to be on the show today. And so, other communities, uh, stakeholders, nonprofits can. Uh, can hear that it may not be just your traditional park that you want to see us support, but that you may have other ideas uh, and uh, and a vision for your community. And uh, we want to see how we can make that a reality. 
I think it's so exciting to see some of the the vision coming to life. Founders Park has always seemed like such a natural gathering place uh, that the community has utilized and to see you putting so much intention and thought in be- behind the way that it can continue to serve the community differently and potentially better um, is really energizing. Could you talk to us a little bit about what goes into designing a place or actually redesigning an existing space? What what who do you have to involve with that? Are there architects <laughs> who who puts that vision together? Oh yeah, so we we have a whole team of folks that are working with us on um, this space, um, you know, Howard and Revis, uh, who also helped manage the uh, Howard and Revis and um, Self Tucker Architects, who also managed our last major renovation, are back again working with us. Um, we also have a landscape uh, firm that is working with us as well to really imagine the space. And and really, there has been actually a lot of intentionality. There's been a lot of research that's and, and benchmarking, if you will, yeah. looking at other spaces around the country and how they've been used and how we can maximize the the uh, square footage, the area, et cetera, and um, really looking at lots of different options. Because as you can imagine, with a project of this magnitude, and thanks to Blue Cross Blue Shield, <laughs> they really gave us, you know, I think with their investment, it really gave us an opportunity to truly take a step back and completely re-envision what would we want the space to be, right? Their, the, the magnitude of their investment allowed us to be able to do that. And so... And so I know I, I'm not on the the, uh, the the construction committee the the what? all the details. I think you wear enough hats, yeah. Tiffany. <laughs> yeah, I, I sit in. I try to soak it up, but I know that there's been so much um, intentionality and research and lots of conversations and um, and even with our team internally about how our what are the observations right of how our visitors are coming and how do they use this space and. Um, and what are they saying about what, uh, you know, what a space could look like? And so we've considered all of those factors as we've thought about um, what that future state could look like. And so so I'm, I think it's shaping up really well and it's going to be just really an incredible space when it opens. And, and Tiffany uh, should also, uh, you know, she's humble, but not only, you know, when you think about what is it that you want to see in these spaces, uh, you also, we get to talk to a lot of people, right? So you get to, to see the visitors of the park, but uh, the National Civil Rights Museum has a very engaged board also, right? So uh, they have their pulse on the community. Uh, Blue Cross Blue Shield just had a, a recent retired board member, Herb Hilliard, who also serves on the National Civil Rights Museum board. Uh, and uh, they all had, uh, you know, thoughts and input, but much like with any other healthy place uh, investment, uh, we try to listen to the community. We we try not to pre predetermine uh, what is needed in a space, uh, but you listen to people that, that quite simply are a lot smarter than you, uh, and that you uh, you get their input. And this is one of those uh, special times where we were able to uh, ask the National Civil Rights Museum to have a dream and to really think uh, big about what they wanted to see there. Uh, and then for, um, for our foundation uh, to be able to say, we think we can support that and help make it a reality. So uh, our job is much easier this time because we get to just uh, support and be a cheerleader uh, and a partner uh, in a way that um, uh, not having to have direct oversight, knowing that uh, 
there's a, a true partner that's leading this effort. And uh, much like we did at the groundbreaking, uh, just as excited to, uh, to be at the ribbon cutting when this space finally opens. Absolutely. Can you tell us a little bit about the timelines that we're hoping to kind of get at? Because um, we're all excited, chomping at the bit for that ribbon cutting, too. I know we just had the groundbreaking, <laughs> but we're all very yeah, excited. Yeah, no, we're excited as well. And so, of course, as you know, construction timelines can sometimes be a little finicky. Yes. But um, right now, we are really targeting the park to open probably in fall 2024. So, okay. you know, just a little over a year now, okay, we should wow. be done uh, with the park. And then the legacy building itself, we're looking at mid-2025. Okay. So it'll probably be summer 2025 when the building opens. Exciting. Still right around the corner. I yeah. Know. It'll no, be here before gonna, we know it. It, it is. Yeah. We're going to blink and it's going to be, we're going to be out there in outdoor concert series. Absolutely. Yeah. It's going to be fun. Tiffany, I'm curious. Do you have a favorite piece of the project? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I, gosh, you know, there's so many. It's so funny. I was, I was having a conversation yesterday with someone sharing all the details of the project and you know, almost every single thing I was, you know, my eyes were lighting up and they were laughing at me because I was so excited about it. Um, you know, that it's a really hard question, but I think I would probably have to say it's a cross between the Freedom Award Lounge, mm -hmm. because I personally love the Freedom Award event. I'm completely biased, but I tell our team all the time, I think it's one of the best events ever and so inspiring. And I cannot personally wait to touch that digital wall and hear all the excerpts of all the Freedom Award honorees from the last 30 plus years. And um, and so it's a cross between the Freedom Award Lounge and um, another space that I didn't talk about before, which is a digital flex space. So there's also going to be a section in the building, um, which will be a pretty large space with... Um, uh, you know, sort of a curtain system, if you will, that can be broken into several sections where it will give us the flexibility to do really cool kind of digital immersions, almost like, you know, the Van Gogh immersions that wow. um, that they've done. And so we'll be able to really immerse someone in the civil rights, in certain moments within the civil rights movement. Right. So that's the other thing what? I think about this renovation is that we're really thinking very t intentionally about um, digital technology you know it's really you know the future it's well not even the future it's the current right <laughs> and so as we think about engaging these uh new audiences younger audiences we know it's got to be you know really interactive really uh leverage digital technology well and so i'm excited about the digital flex space i think that's going to be a really cool space that'll give us flexibility to do all kinds of really interesting things in the building so that's incredible. Your future-focused and actionable approach to history is something that I feel is on the cutting edge of where museums live right now. I think that's such a static word in my head, a museum. I think of an art museum that's, you know, you just go and spend time. But to know that you are thinking through this next generation and how to keep them engaged and excited and wanting to take an active role in their own futures and their community's futures, that's incredible. Yeah, I mean, it, it's so critical. And, and really, our capital campaign theme is become the dream, right? And we were really thought about Dr. King's dream and everything that he had set forth and all of his principles. And we it kind of struck our team that we said, well, well, we are the dream, right? What, what's the dream? How, how does the dream completely manifest? Well, it's up to all of us, right? right? Who are picking up the mantle and carrying forward and living out 
uh, Dr. King's ideals. And so in doing that, it, it's really important for us to continue to be very intentional about how do we inspire current and future generations to care about our community, to care about the, the challenges, the disparities that we still are facing in our communities. And ultimately, we are the manifestation of that dream. And so we've been really thoughtful, I think, about that through the renovation. And as we're engaging people in uh, this whole next chapter, this next phase of the National Civil Rights Museum. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, for me, it's 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 uh, being able to walk down Main Street and see uh, the Blue Cross Healthy Place at Founders Park be a natural draw into uh, the National Civil Rights Museum when you know the history of that space, but yet you can walk down Main Street and may not even know that it's there as a visitor to the city. Uh, when you see the water features, the lighting, uh, and you, uh, you you know that there's something special that's happening there, and you you walk across that 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 lawn and and uh, enter into the National Civil Rights Museum. I think it's going to be a natural draw. Yes, it's a reflection post visiting the museum, but I think it also will be a natural gateway uh, for for the museum as well. But uh, I, I'm, I'm ranking that number one. But I'm telling you, as much every time you talk about the freedom, uh, the what's the what's the right word? Get freedom, freedom Award Lounge. Freedom Award Lounge. I'm just thinking, you guys put so much effort and energy into selecting uh, uh, the awardees, but now thinking back, where you can go back and click a button and hear a speech from 20 years ago. And, and put you right back in time to when that speech was made. But I think it, it also will uh, will center us around how important it is that we get each and every one of those honorees right. Because uh, mm -hmm. when you go back and, and listen again 20 years later, I still, I'm still just floored by uh, the amazing people that you all have recognized. And uh, yeah, over, over time, we'll get to act as if we were at every one of them yeah uh, timeless yeah it's timeless, timeless. absolutely awesome. yeah. i feel absolutely. like um the journalist in me was really excited when you said the uh, never before like seen or heard primary source material that y'all are going to put in there i was like oh yeah. i was like I hold know. on I'm, I'm, I'm wondering i was i was thinking we were going to get breaking news for a minute uh that um that yeah. that's going to be that's going to be nice mm -hmm. yeah. exciting yeah i gotta hold some things <laughs> oh, a little close <laughs> to the vest but i will say when you were talking about the immersive digital spaces um my mind went immediately to the entrance of that exhibit, the walkway where it puts you in the march. Yes. And it was immediately like I, when that first was unveiled, I was like, oh, my gosh, like this is so amazing. Like it puts you right there. You right, feel like right. you're. And so to know that that's like going to be on steroids in this immersive space is something that I'm now going to be super excited to I, I can't wait. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It'll, it'll be an experience for Absolutely. sure. You know, and that's what it's really all about is all of us experiencing this life together. Right. Yeah. And to learn what we can do uh, with each other and for each other as we're, we're all pushing forward to that more perfect society, so to speak. So we're excited. Um, this can be for both of you as well. Um, what would you say is both the National Civil Rights Museum and Blue Cross Blue Shield of Tennessee's role in fostering community connections and resources, but particularly as it goes to building empathy and creating that, like you said, the the future that we all want to see and be a part of? Want to take that one first? Sure, sure. Well, you know, I think the for for us at the National Civil Rights Museum, we've we've long considered ourselves and I think our community has considered the National Civil Rights Museum as the public square, right? As that place where you can come 
and be educated and also have an opportunity for dialogue and um, and to be able to um, to hear and learn and share different perspectives. And so in, in that sort of safe space, if you will. Right. And so that has always been important to us at the National Civil Rights Museum. And, and that is reflected, um, you know, month in, month out through our programming, the type of programming that we have that creates that platform, right, for folks to be able to come and um, and to share and to be able to, you know, have the hard conversations that um, that sometimes, you know, you're not able to have, right, in sort of an everyday context, if you will. And so I think that's, you know, really important to our community. And um, and we take that very seriously as well. Um, we are so much more than than just a museum, if you will. You know, the, the exhibits are incredible and we'll continue to focus in that that way and, and continue to push the envelope and how we engage people through the exhibition experience. But equally important is the the conversation, right? Equally important is the programming and how we bring community together. And that's, I think, what is also the, the lasting, um, uh, you know, aspect, right, of how people are able to have these aha moments, right? You can only have them through that kind of hard dialogue with other people and um, see something that or, or think about something in ways that you haven't thought about them before. And, and that's what we consider really special um, and, and why we exist at the National Civil Rights Museum and is part of our mission, which is to inspire people to be catalysts for positive social change. And being catalysts means that sometimes you change your mind. Right. And sometimes you um, hear from other people, their frames of reference and um, and it opens up and expands your frame of reference and your perspective about what's happening in our community. And so that's that's really critical to our mission and to the efforts that we um, take every day. Yeah. Um, you know, as a as a corporate citizen, uh, we've always known that it was expected of us to to play a role uh, and uh, bringing people together, but also uh, sometimes in, around tough conversations. Uh, it was one of the reasons that uh, we uh, started uh, the Power We Conference, uh, a conference of, uh, about diversity and inclusion, and to be able to bring uh, uh, stakeholders together, particularly uh, our, our customers, around the idea of uh, how do we grow together how do we have a more inclusive uh, workspace and uh, and learn from one another? And so making that uh, annual investment uh, has been uh, a very powerful opportunity for our leadership team uh, to uh, to create the space uh, for those uh, those type of conversations. And I've attended a number of, of gatherings uh, at the National Civil Rights Museum, which is really uh, very often just about setting the table and, and watch uh, very naturally. Uh, people engage and come up with solutions around uh, moving uh, communities forward. It's why we invest in uh, New Memphis uh, because it's a it's a catalyst of change, it's a catalyst of hope and uh, inspiration uh, around what what happens when you bring uh, people who are passionate about uh, their cities, their communities, about advancing important causes that Dr. King fought for, like healthcare, uh, uh, healthcare and uh, health uh, care inequities. Uh, we know that we have to all roll in the same direction. Uh, we all uh, want the same things. We all may have different ways of getting there, uh, but it's important that we invest uh, where our members are 
in order to have a lasting impact. It's uh, while 75% of our annual giving from our foundation uh, is now earmarked around uh, healthy places. And we think it's having a powerful impact across the state. Uh, we still also invest in things like our Power Weave scholarships, which is a uh, $10,000 uh, scholarship that we give out to six uh, minority students uh, that are pursuing careers in healthcare care uh, because we know the importance of having uh, people that that look like you uh, when you're, uh, you know, at your most uh, vulnerable states of, of needing uh, critical care. Uh, we've also uh, designed uh, uh, our new uh, health care clinics in partnership with Sanitas, which we've created for uh, Blue of Tennessee uh, health care clinics uh, to, to increase access to care across Memphis, uh, eight in, across the state of Tennessee before those are right here in Memphis. Uh, we know the importance of making investments that have positive impact uh, on communities. Uh, it's what we, we strive to do uh, through our foundation, through our givings. Uh, but, uh, but again, that often happens by just listening and asking uh, what are the needs in our respective communities in order to have lasting impact. And, and this investment in Founders Park is just yet another example of how we're trying to make a difference. Thank you both for the work that you do in our communities. Um, a, a question that is often associated with the museum is where do we go from here? Mm -hmm. um, and I'd love to hear, you know, how can we support your work? How can we get involved in your work? Where do we go from here? Yes, yes, I love that question. Um, so we we welcome everyone to get involved. And so you can um, certainly do that at civilrightsmuseum.org. Sign up for our e-blast so that you know about the programming that's coming. Of course, uh, we would love for you to consider becoming a member, become a member of the community and uh, of the National Civil Rights Museum community. And um, and of course, you know, donate, consider making a gift. Of course, we're a nonprofit. I wouldn't be a good uh, chief development officer if I didn't talk about uh, giving and supporting uh, the work that we do. Uh, but also all throughout the year, we have lots of different uh, volunteer opportunities. Um, in fact, you know, in the, in the case of King Day, we actually have over 500 volunteers that come out that day to help us make that day possible. And so there are volunteer opportunities, there's programs, there's events, there's membership. Um, if you are also representing your company, we have um, certainly many, many different ways for our corporate partners to also get in, engaged and sponsor events and programs and exhibitions. Um, there, there's so many ways to to tap into the work of the museum. And so, so we certainly welcome that. Um, and if you're interested in this particular um, renovation, uh, for the Legacy Building in Founders Park, you can also visit civilrightsmuseum.org forward slash become the dream. Um, and you can also sign up at that website, um, that landing site to um, get further updates about our progress on the renovation. So we'd love to, for you all to sign up so that we can stay connected. What about you, Kevin? How can we, um, where, where do we go from here with our healthy places? How do we keep learning? and growing. So obviously a couple of dates I want to leave you with, obviously starting with the website, bluecrosshealthyplace.com uh, from August 1st through August 31st, cause I'm sure we'll get some calls saying, you know, we are interested in, uh, in building or uh, a healthy place in the community. We, uh, which we want, we want uh, as many of those applications as possible. Uh, and so 
uh, August 1st through the 31st uh, is the time period in which we'll be accepting those applications. Uh, and you can go to the website and uh, and complete that application. Uh, I mentioned earlier, you know, it, it, our trust is 25% of our budget is earmarked for other nonprofit uh, activities such as charitable clinics, uh, youth and health, uh, youth health and development programs, and obviously diversity and inclusion is important to to our organization as well. Uh, we do have two application periods uh, for those who are just interested in us supporting uh, communities' work, uh, and those dates are May first as well as November first. So twice a year, uh, we have applications uh, in order to. Uh, receive uh, grant making opportunities to, to really to be able to advance the work that's happening throughout our community. So uh, those are just uh, a couple of ways that, uh, that, that we want to be able to give back most recently, obviously uh, the Juneteenth uh, festival that we recently supported uh, the, the walk run, um, the luncheon, uh, such a great opportunity. Uh, you mentioned volunteerism. I give a shameless plug uh, to uh, my colleague and, uh, and, and fellows alum, uh, Claire Brutal tour, uh, who uh, who engages, who works on our foundation, but also engages our volunteer efforts. Uh, it was such a great uh, week of of support and for our employees to learn so much more about uh, the importance of Juneteenth. Uh, and I think the natural parallels with the work we're now doing in partnership with the National Civil Rights Museum. Uh, again, uh, our Healthy Place initiative is just, it keeps us excited, uh, you know, throughout the year. Uh, we recently broke ground on a project in uh a town called Bean Station uh, in East Tennessee. Uh, Love that. <laughs> Bean Station. Uh, and there, there's also a project underway at uh, Morningside Park in Knoxville. It's our first project in the area. So again, from uh, from West Tennessee uh, to East Tennessee. So uh, five years in the making, but to start here in Memphis and now uh, opening our park uh, in East Tennessee, uh, it's, 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 it's what we signed up for. But truly, uh, our investment at Founders Park is, is really a new day for what's possible with uh, with this mission. I love it. Awesome. That's really exciting work that y'all are doing, and we cannot wait to stay involved, learn more, activate, and be that catalyst for both organizations. Um, now it is time for a fun part. Not that this wasn't already fun, <laughs> but um, it's something we like to call our lightning round, which is just a few quick questions, just stream of conscious answer. Oh, my goodness. Oh, I know. I promise. It's fun. <laughs> okay. So other than the National Civil Rights Museum or Healthy Places, what is one must-do thing in Memphis? Tiffany, you can go first. Um, You know, I'm a huge fan of the Orpheum. It, they have so many great concerts that come through there. I am at the Orpheum all the time. So I, I love the, the lineup, you know, the theater, concerts, all the things. So I, that's always a fun spot for me. I want to get in trouble if I only do one. So uh, shamelessly, uh, I love Stax Museum. Uh, but I also uh, must shout out our, our beautiful public spaces, uh, uh, in Memphis, and I'm on the River Parks board as well as Shelby Farms. Uh, we started a new cycling club during COVID just because yes. uh, uh, we uh, were able to uh, meet a bunch of guys uh, near Shelby Farms on the Green Line. Yeah. You know, now we have over 70 members. Uh, you know, just again, much like the Healthy Places, it's about, you know, bringing people together and, and, and doing new things. So uh, our green spaces across the city. I love that. I was going to say Shelby Farms, too. Yeah. So, yeah, I love Shelby Farms. I was actually just out there last night. So, yeah. love it. Yeah. I love it. Well, I was about to say the Orpheum this week, um, Frozen, my husband's yes. taking my four-year-old. So, Godspeed to him nice. for, for everyone going to the Orpheum this week. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's see. 
We'd love to know what your favorite way to unwind, refresh, or beat the summer heat is. Oh, gosh. Well, you know, I um, am a big fan of restaurants. I, I love, I'm a big foodie, and I think we have so many amazing restaurants in Memphis. Obviously, we're, I feel like we're the food capital of the world. <laughs> and so I said, you know, I, I don't think I'm ever going to be skinny here in Memphis <laughs> because I, I eat way too much. But, uh, but yeah, I love, um, Going to restaurants, I love, you know, we, to Kevin's point, we do have really great outdoor spaces. So, you know, even just taking a walk in the evening is always a fun time. Um, what else? What do you uh, do? Look, I don't think there's a such thing as beating the heat in Memphis, <laughs> right? Uh, no, so you, so I, 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 I embrace the heat. Uh, shameless plug, uh, go visit David Corns Park in Whitehaven. The water features awesome. Take your kids nice. there. Yes. It's a great family space uh, in the heart of Whitehaven community. Uh uh, I get, I'll get on my bike. Uh, that's what I, what I'll do to, uh, because I know I have no, uh, no phone, no internet, uh, just, uh, me in the road. So that's just what I've been doing. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. And then one word to describe either Memphis or Memphians. Hmm. The first one that comes to your head. Soul is taken. Grit is taken. So we have to come up with something else. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the first word that popped in my head is just home. You know, it's just and I'm not originally from Memphis, but I we, just feel like welcome, yeah. when I touched down in Memphis, I just felt like this is just home. You know, the people are great. The food's great. It, it you know, I tell people all the time it checks all the boxes, um, you know, low cost of living. And although we got this inflation going on right <laughs> now, um, but, you know, it checks all the bo- great sports. Great. Uh, you know, as we said, theater, it's just it feels like home to me. And right up there with home, I would say love. Uh, you know, this, you know, Memphis, you, you come to Memphis and we embrace you. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's not about your status. It's not about where you come from, uh, you know, what board you sit on. Uh, if you want to be a part of a movement, if you want to make a difference in a city, uh, Memphis is going to open its arms to you. So, you know, we'll, we'll talk bad about ourselves, but nobody else can talk bad about Memphis. And so uh, <laughs> so uh, Memphis has a lot of love. And, uh, and so uh, that's what I'll go with. I love that. I feel like Jeff Calkins is always saying, if you love Memphis, it'll love you back. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's right. Yeah, that's right. I love that's that. Right. I don't think we could end on a better note than that. So with that, we will say thank you, Tiffany. Thank you, Kevin, for the work that you do and for joining us in conversation today. Thank you. Thank I you. enjoyed it. This thank was you. wonderful. Thank, thank you, you so much. Appreciate it. This week's episode is made possible by our friends at Independent Bank. You can learn more about them at i-bankonline.com. 